Evolution, Revolution. A discussion on the changing shape of us. This podcast series has grown out of some articles I've written, which you can find in the show notes. Lifeline Church is undergoing a transition. This is a critical stage for those who have grown up in Lifeline or joined along the journey to bring their unique contribution to the table, because those that have led for the last 40 years won't be leading for the next 40. As we continue the journey, we need to know what we need to carry with us, what can be left behind, and what needs to be developed. I hope this podcast, along with my articles, might provoke and inspire you to offer what you carry. Okay, excellent. So you are here with myself, Nick. I've got Ella. Ella, do you want to say hello? Hey. And we've got Jamie. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Okay, cool. So what we're hoping to do with this podcast and further podcasts is kind of have a little think about some stuff you've been writing um what is in that and how as a church that that can um that can mean something for us and what that does mean for us so could you just maybe give us a brief overview of of what you've been writing and and what's caused you like just what caused you to start writing things down I know that's quite a big question but yeah so um there have been a number of topics that I've been thinking about i've done teaching on i've been uh, been chatting around with people for a while and i thought it would be quite handy to kind of pull all those threads together in one place and so i originally thought i'd write a blog and then as i started writing it i thought no this isn't one blog this is many blogs and i thought no this isn't really a blog it's more of an article so that's that was the kind of the genesis of it but the i think the purpose of it is as a point of the journey where we are up to as Lifeline Church where uh, we're, we're crossing into unfamiliar territory and when I think of the story of the Israelites Deuteronomy is called um, the second law and it was a point where Moses laid out again the same things that had been laid out to their parents who was the first ones to have left Egypt and it was, it was repeated, but not completely verbatim. There were certain adaptions and variations. But I feel for us right now, we're about to enter into the land, continue on the pilgrimage that we've been on. And there's an opportunity for us to hear afresh the things that have been said to, effectively, to our, our parents' generation. And so it's a calling for how do we enter the land, both those that are veterans, so have been around for a while, and for those that are emerging, that that we are called to journey together. So there's different things that each of us carry that is going to be valuable. And so I'm hoping that these articles could help kind of set the parameters to how we journey together, what is our common understanding. Okay, wicked. So just the way in which these podcasts are going to work, I'm going to lead with some questions. Uh, We've also got Ella here who will be definitely chipping in with some thoughts and questions. We may ask questions that seem like they've got pretty obvious answers, um, but I just want to try and make sure that this is is accessible for all. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with you and I'm aware that 
there's a lot of context that I would understand and, and Ella to an extent also. But so bear with us as we, as we ask a lot of questions. Um, and as I've been reading the articles, it felt like before we really got stuck into what those articles um, are talking about, maybe to think about a concept that you talk about quite early on, which is the concept of deconstruction and reconstruction. And as I was reading the first article, which was called... It all starts with a glimpse. It all starts with a glimpse. Mm -hmm. There was something that you said in that article that I thought that we could kind of, where we could start. So you said, under the leadership of John Singleton, a large emphasis has been put on being doers and not just hearers of the word. So my first question would be, how has that emphasis come about? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's in the scripture. So uh, James 1, uh, 22 says, uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone that looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so the... There is a requirement that we enact the things that, that God shows to us and says to us. And I think particularly from my dad's perspective over the years of growing up in, in different churches, he's seen how much time, airtime you can give to talking about what God wants that doesn't filter through into action. Mm. Um, one of the things would be we talk about uh, in his church when he was growing up we all talk about or share the blessing with each other and so you spend the most of the meeting just staring at the back of someone's head then they turn around at the end and you say bless you brother see you next week but there's nothing of expressing what the bible talks about of living life together knowing what's going on for each other caring and loving but yet we can all talk about what we've heard just not enact it and so there's always been an emphasis of the word of God is given for our for us to live it out Mm. um yeah so that's that's kind of where it's come from okay that makes a lot of sense but as I was kind of reading and and even just listening to you speak just then I'm wondering is there a temptation to be doers without ever being hearers because while I totally understand that the frustration that would come from just talking about something and never living it out, there is something potentially you could maybe skip a step and just think, right, I'm going to do a load of practical things without ever necessarily grasping the hearer's part of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And in some cases, that's more of a temptation for us as a church that has put such an emphasis on being doers. Mm. Um, And, what you can end up finding yourself in is within a culture of this is what we do because we are part of this particular body and that's that's how it works here without knowing the reasons behind it mm. and that that certainly is a danger um i think last time uh, the last podcast we i shared the story about the mother that put the the turkey in the oven and cut the legs off before putting it putting it in she was doing without really knowing why she was doing it only when she spoke to her mother she said well the reason why I cut the legs off was because it couldn't fit in my oven why are you cutting your legs off and um 
I think that there is always a temptation just to do because it's easy, because it doesn't involve thinking. Um, but I think we should be thinkers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, part of, for me, anyways, from conversations I've had with John, that part of his revelation comes from going to different churches and experiencing them and then having this revelation that maybe like he's received a revelation from God about the right way that we should um do church do you feel like maybe people that have been in the church for a long time or people that have grown up in the church maybe that could be a block because they haven't experienced other church communities or even necessarily visited many other churches um so let me get you straight, Ella. Because someone's not got a wider experience of mm. churches, they would find it difficult to know different ways of expressing a value, or or just like they might not really understand why there's such uh, importance on certain values. Right. Yeah, like maybe they just wouldn't get it because they just see that every day, or like. So, like John's kind of seen all this stuff and then really. Um, fought for what he believes to yeah. be valuable and yeah. then part of being in this church living in the like the benefit of mm. that means that there hasn't necessarily had to have been a grappling for themselves yeah kind of yeah mm. yeah I, th- I think that could always be a a, a a danger um and i think that's why it's so important that we we know why we do what we do so that we can share that or live from that rather than just follow the uh, the crowd or the or the culture. And it's amazing how quickly people acclimatise to a culture without knowing quite what's going on. I, mm. I remember one of the young people once bringing their exchange student that was staying with them to the meeting and they had their hands up in in the time of worship because they're looking around that oh, everyone else has got their hands mm. up, that's what you've got to do here. Um, there's no problem with doing that mm. but also there's no problem not doing that mm. and so our focus has always got to be we want people to have their own conviction um, get their own sight of who God is mm. and so we can never be satisfied with just someone mapping the same behaviour we want to lead them through to a revelation cool well that brings me on quite nicely to my next question so at Lifeline Church we talk a lot about values and expressions could you give us an example of a value that Lifeline Church holds dear and what the scriptural basis and maybe just the historical basis is for that value? Sure. Um, and so when we're talking about values, we're talking about effectively the nature and personality of God and the attribute of God. And so one could be uh, the value of people belonging, really being part of a family. And so you, if, if it's an aspect of the nature of God, it will be, be, be confirmed within Scripture. And so you would get the things like uh, in, in John 1, 12, yet all those who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. So that was about belonging into God's family. That's what Jesus came to do. So when I look at Jesus, I see belonging I see an invitation um, he talks about so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6 18 
I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So that is in the very nature of God to help people belong, be part of it. Galatians, uh, where Paul talks about there's neither Jew nor Greek, that those barriers are broken down because people are being joined together. Romans 11 talks about being grafted in. And so all those aspects of the nature of God to belong would be a value that that John has seen and it's something that we promote, um, we want to see see happen. So that would be the value aspect. Mm. And just, that's really clear, but just thinking about that, that value of belonging, how have you seen or even personally experienced that value being expressed? Mm. Well, well, I was thinking about that belonging aspect, inclusion would be a big a big part of that and I always used to like just having my small friendship groups Um, and I remember one New Year's Eve party I'd wanted us to do something as a youth group but no one else wanted to do it so I thought right fine I'll just do something for me and and just a handful of friends then suddenly all these kids that said no they didn't want to do anything started wanting to piggyback on what I was doing and I remember feeling this kind of twisting in my gut like no this no this is just for me and my close friends Mm. I remember my dad saying to me is there any way that you could include these these other people I remember saying no I can't fit them in my car and um how old are you roughly well I was 15 so I'd got I'd roped in a youth leader to be my driver right um so it was me and uh the youth leader and three other friends and um I remember it didn't sit right with me, but I didn't want to change. And something happened in me over the next year, because by the time the next New Year's Eve party came round, what I organised was something that was local, that was accessible, that anyone could come to. And so, similar to Ella's question, even though that it was a value that John had that he promoted within the church, I still had to have my own revelation of it. Mm. And there was something that changed in me where I experienced the inclusion of God that caused me to then want to be an includer of others. And that meant sacrificing my little group. And in fact, I had a much better time Mm. because I didn't have that kind of grind inside me um, to try and protect my space so that came that that was an inclusion and belonging that came out of my revelation but other things that I've seen when we went into lockdown um, for the covid we quickly moved our meetings to zoom and um, it was very complicated trying to learn zoom and uh, kind of progress 250 people onto onto the internet but um one of the guys matt had said do you know the zoom actually has a translation function so we can actually be translating what we're saying or have a channel where someone translates for people that don't speak english and we've got a few of those people amongst us and there was others in the team that saying come on it's far too complicated let's let's not try and um make things too complicated and matt was dogged he said but would that not be in God's heart to make something in- inclusive? And I thought, absolutely it would be. Mm-hmm. And Matt had seen something that he was pursuing. 
And then I think even if you look at some of the things we're doing through the through the hub, um, connecting with with local people, there's always about belonging, and that's probably the the clearest thing that comes out of people local people that we've met. Is I feel like this is my family. Mm. Um, when family members come to visit they bring them to the hub to introduce them to their local family and I think a big aspect of belonging is knowing that you got you can contribute Mm. and so that's always been a priority within the the hub is if you come to benefit you also come to give because that's the way that we feel that we belong Mm. and I think that's that's all expressions of that that value Mm. So I want to now think about a little bit of what do we mean when we're talking about deconstruction and reconstruction in a church context. So, yeah, when, when, when we're talking about deconstruction, reconstruction, what is it that you mean? So what, what I mean with deconstruction is about unpacking the expression. So we might, we might have a, a way of doing things, but expressions need to be constantly updated to make sure that they're relevant and expressing the value. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we talk about, um, in the Church of England, you'll have pews, um, which were very relevant at one stage because that's how they used to run the hot water pipes um, across the church to heat the church. So having it in nice... Um, running under the pews seemed very relevant. Once you move to central heating, there's no need to sit people yeah. on those uncomfortable pews anymore. And so the act, what, what we've fallen into in that case is keeping a tradition going that's no longer expressing comfort, inclusion, love, yeah. and things like that. And so we've always got to be ready to say, okay, that's what we did yesterday. What's relevant for today? And But... We want to be faithful to the values and the, re- the expressions have to become relevant for that. So there'll be things that we need to look back over and say, OK, now with the advance of the Internet, is this still important that we do things this way? Um, what, what is the most meaningful way of doing it? So, so strip things back, get right back to the why behind why we do what we do. And then to reconstruct is thinking, okay, what's a better way of expressing those things? Cool. Is there only expressions that we would deconstruct? <clears throat> what, like, would we deconstruct a value? Yeah, like, or like, I don't know. I don't really know. I just... Well, because maybe... So we've been talking, like, the example of a value we've been talking about is belonging. Mm-hmm. Um which yeah i think you gave a really clear kind of explanation of where that comes from biblically what that looks like what it has looked like what it looks looks like now um we have certain emphasis on on values and not to say that there would be biblical values that we ignore but i think it'd be fair to say that we emphasize different values so you may be saying would it be i'm talking to you ella would Mm. it would it be thinking about is are there different values to emphasize or i don't know if like the question makes sense i'm just wondering is it just is is it does it only apply to like expressions deconstruction like doesn't apply to like anything else like i suppose that is an expression isn't it like what are you gonna say like oh 
do we only do church on Sunday, like right. or something like that, like or like um, we have to do prayer meeting every every Tuesday. Yeah, like Tuesday this is. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. those, or is it? Yeah. I mean, I, I would put those things down Under as expressions. expressions. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I mean, God is the same today and forever, mm. so I don't expect his values to change. Our revelation of his value, mm. I would hope, would continue to, mm-hmm. to grow mm-hmm. and ex- to be understood. So there would be, there'd be a change in mm-hmm. terms of, of that, but I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we're thinking, I don't think God is really into mm. belonging anymore. Mm. I don't think that's, that would change. Mm. Um, and w- one of the things that I do think about sometimes is, Sometimes the values are held in tension. Mm. So belonging, if I'm talking about everyone bringing a contribution, Mm -hmm. but then if we're also talking about excellence being another value, Mm. how how do you let other people contribute by doing something if the standard Mm. of it will end up dropping from excellent mm. what is the priority and how do you hold those things in tension so mm. there's there's all things like that where you're kind of wrestling wrestling through to figure out mm. how does that that yeah. work yeah because because a question that, that i wanted to follow up with was i'm kind of started to think about that already but what are, what could be some of the challenges in a process of deconstruction and reconstruction in a church and i'm just thinking about um the fact that maybe young people, for example, or younger people are growing up in an environment where belonging, for example, can almost could almost be entirely digital, you know. Um, I don't know, thinking out loud, there are gaming communities of people who have never met. Um, there's there's studies that suggest you know that can improve young people's mental health and a sense of you know belonging in that sense but that would feel very different to what i understand Mm. as belonging inclusion i'd I'd feel like people being together would would be a big part of that so and you just kind of spoke about holding things in tension so like what how, how do we combat some of those challenges when you've got generational differences just uh yeah technological uh, yeah i'm just is that question clear i mean I, I guess going back to the question you asked right at the start what we're seeking to do with these podcasts and mm. articles it, it's really setting the parameters where we can have these kind of conversations mm. because we want to journey together we want the veterans and we want the young people emerging to be really wrestling this stuff out and have the permission to say, okay, well, how does it look now? Mm. Um, We would talk about uh, stewardship being a value and um, using your money in in wise ways. But then you're looking at the housing market now. Like, Mm. what is the chances of getting on the housing market? So then, well, renting, is is that good stewardship? Or having to leave the area to find a house where we've always looked at being geographically close Mm. and can I now be virtually part of the community in the same way? I I think that it's all part of the discussion, but the core thing that I want to set out is we've got to start with what do we see when we look at him? Mm. What does God want? 
and then we work from that rather than this is what I fancy or this seems more pragmatic or convenient. It's got to be on what pleases God and if that's my focus then I want to find the best way to represent and it's not necessarily going to be the easiest way. Mm. Um, so yeah I, I think those are part of it. I think in terms of the, the broader question of what are the kind of other challenges when you are deconstructing something that someone else has fought to put together um in this case you're referring to john your dad like yeah yeah yeah. they have scars fighting for the things that we have now Mm. that we can end up taking for granted or even neglecting that even paul in uh 1 corinthians 3 he's he says uh by the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. That I want to treasure the, th- the same thing that my dad did when he started building mm. what, what we have now. And that's a heart set on pilgrimage. That's a focus on I want to please God. I want to be part of his building of, of his church and his kingdom. And therefore, I treat it with care what what I'm unpacking. doesn't mean that we don't do it, mm. but we don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We, we have to get behind. What was the reason behind why we did this? Is it still relevant? What is a more faithful and relevant expression of that value today? Mm. It can never be, I just don't really like that value. So we just discard the value. That would not be being faithful to to the revelation that God's given us. And also, like like the example I gave, I I needed to have my own revelation of something that I already bought into in theory. Mm. And the danger was I was a a hearer, not a doer of Mm. that thing. It had to become real to me. Mm. And so when we realize, oh, I I don't actually cherish this value Mm. that we all talk about here, God, come do something in me. Cause me to see this value in you that becomes my motivation and my transformation so that I will lay down my life to see you expressed, this value of you expressed in my life. Mm. Cool. So, very aware that we've been speaking a lot about um, John Singleton, who is your dad, and you've had naturally quite close proximity to your dad um how would people who maybe haven't had that close proximity connect take it on board realize that they are part of something that god has been doing for for decades now um and they're not and because they're not just trying to recreate what's happened but also being able to hold the importance of what has been forged out and also go forward. How, I'm just wondering, how would someone maybe who's, who's come along to Sunday mornings and maybe chatted with your dad, but doesn't know him, doesn't know his story and what's happened. How would, how is this relevant Mm. for them? It's always tricky when there's been such a clear leader figure that it's not something that my, my, dad has sought to cultivate but 
just the way that we work as humans, we can kind of develop a cult of personality mm. and have an, have so much pinned on to a person. But my dad is just a human like the rest of us. Mm. Um, and he does his best with all of the challenges and the weaknesses that he faces like the rest of us. And so he wouldn't want the focus to be on him, but he has a responsibility and a privilege to share the revelation that, that he's got. And within the role of being the father of the house, he has to, has to give account to God for how has he pursued and led others into the, the revelation and being faithful with what they've experienced. But I think for, the, for those that haven't had that closeness of proximity, God is still the same God. Mm. And they still have the same need to have a revelation of the very values that we talk about in the same way that someone that's been close to that. Um, I mean, I, I've heard of stories of people using the John Singleton trump card. Um, well, John Singleton wouldn't see it that way. But you've got young people saying, well, who's John Singleton? Yeah. They know him in name. They know, know what he looks like. But he's not had the investment in, in, in their lives directly because he can't with, with everyone. There's, yeah. there's too many people. But what we have to do in those situations is if we know the re- reasons why, if we know the, re- the values, if we've had our revelation, we can share that, we can lead others into that. And particularly for those that have grown up within the church, the danger is you think you know it mm. because in theory you know it academically, but do you love it? Does mm. it... Do these values excite you, float your boat? Are you willing to lay down your life for them? Mm -hmm. And almost keep giving the young person that opportunity to say, I don't really see it. I don't experience it. It's like, that's that's absolutely fine. But, you know, God's at your door. Mm -hmm. He wants you to see him, that each will know him from the least to the greatest. And so... Rather than just getting people to keep keep the same expression going, I want people to see the same God. Mm. And so it can't be dependent on any one person. It's mm. dependent on the revelation that God has. Amazing. Do you have any questions, Ella, just before we close? That's kind of from, from my end. Yeah. For, like, young people that, like, know what, like, they know what it is that, <laughs> don't know what Lifeline stands on they know what the values are but they don't love it like what what is there for them I think the the key thing is rather than love Lifeline not love Lifeline do mm. I love God mm. um, and there's a, a John Piper quote says uh, if all I have for Christ is a decision for Christ and not a delight for Christ then mm. I, I don't know Christ and that's the thing that I would want to put the focus on because we can we can nitpick mm. from now to eternity on what we as a church and we as leaders do well or don't do well. But I want my life to be about living in partnership with the Spirit of God that wants to reveal His nature to a world that is desperate for Him. I want to be part of that. But if all I do is play church... Mm do meetings and do activities but I don't have the sense of 
the love of God for this world coming out of me, then it's miserable. I don't want anyone to live that that miserable life. I want people to, to know him for themselves. So that would be my focus. And sometimes that's pretty scary, particularly for, for a young person to admit, saying, you know what, I don't even really like God. I don't feel that I know God. I definitely wouldn't be willing to sacrifice my street cred or, mm-hmm. or respectability amongst my peers to promote him in any way. Well, if you could admit that, that's the first step to saying, God, I need you in a way that I don't think I've ever known you. And there's always got to be the space for people to say that. We can't just assume because you've grown up in the church that any of this stuff has actually um, been buried inside you mm. and, and growing up inside of you. Cool. Well, I think that is going to set us up quite nicely as we go on to explore some more of what you've got in your articles. So we will leave it there for now. Thank you very much, Jamie. And thank you, Ella. Thanks for listening to this eight-episode podcast exploring how to make a healthy transition to the next generation as a church whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We invite you to listen to the full series, but also to get in touch if you have questions so that iron can sharpen iron as we bring our collective wisdom together. Our contact details can be found in the show notes. For further teaching, do tap into the Lifeline Church Sunday Teaching Podcast and watch out for our conversational podcast on questions arising from the Book of Kings due to be released in July 2023.